Good evening, everybody. This is the English with Fraser podcast, a podcast designed to help those learning English understand the intricacies of the English language and also on top of that, learn some great cultural points, some facts and cracking information about Britain and British English. As one can tell from my accent, I am from the UK and you know me as Fraser. It's currently dark outside. Obviously, it's December. um, And I, for one, really dislike when it gets dark so early. Obviously, in the summer, you've got those fantastic long days, daylight until at least 9pm. And the days are just so long, feels like you can get so much done. And then Switch that to uh, December now, for example, and it's it's sincerely pitch black and dark by 4.30 and sometimes 4 in the middle of December, sort of now, 4 o'clock, dark, crazy. I remember when we used to walk home from primary school, I think we had like an after school club that ran to maybe 4 o'clock or just before 4, we used to finish up. 10 past 3, I do believe. See, secondary school was 5 past 3, and primary school was 10 past 3. So, that 5 minutes, 5 minutes can really make the difference, eh? Um, so I remember coming back from from school, going to a friend's house, um, and we walked for like 10 minutes, and it was already getting dark, and it wasn't even 4 o'clock. That's sort of my, must have been, I must have been about seven, I think I was seven. And that's sort of my first memory of uh, just remembering how dark and how quick it can get um, in the winter. Um, But there are positives to that. It's more warm and cosy inside in the living room when it's so dark outside. It feels more festive, so it's, it's dark and cold outside, but everyone's gathered round the fire watching TV. Um, There's usually some iconic British TV on during the winter. I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, that's one. X Factor usually runs up until Christmas. And of course, the best show of them all, my favourite show, the number one show that is running in the UK and that's Strictly Come Dancing. the best show, and that show is essentially, you might have maybe Dancing with the Stars in your country. That show essentially is, I think it's about 12 novices, so 12 celebrities, actors, sports people, journalists, singers, etc., etc., and they're paired with a professional dancer. And then together they make a partnership, make a duo. And each week they have to dance and try and stay on the show. And they'll dance and the four judges will all give them a score out of 10. And the aim is to get the best score. After they've all danced that week, it's down to the public. And the public will vote by ringing in, telephoning and adding their respective numbers. So they type in the whole number. And then, for example, add 01 for Fraser. And then you'd all add 01 because I'm a fantastic dancer. 
And then we'd hope that I stay in. The bottom two with the least amount of votes, they go to the dance-off. Now the dance-off is the two of them dancing against each other. And then the judges decide who was the best and that person stays. And then the loser, unfortunately, goes home. But I do, um, do ramble, don't I, sometimes? But I think uh, podcast is the right place for someone who can ramble and, and rant. So rambling, to ramble just means you, you sort of speak a lot. You speak maybe nonsense or you speak without direction and you sort of go off on a tangent. So I've gone off on a tangent there. The podcast wasn't about that initially, but I've just hopped on the mic and that's where we've naturally gone. Now, as the title suggests, you may be thinking, get to it, Fraser, come on, hurry up, start. I say, oh, whoa, 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 okay, just, just, let me compose, just let me compose myself. Okay, that's better. Um, so today's podcast is about some, I wouldn't say famous quotes, because they're not famous compared to other quotes, but they're quotes about England. And whether I personally agree with these quotes, and also I'll take a minute or two to explain these quotes to you so that they make sense. Now, the first quote here we go. The tea room lady called me love. All the shop ladies called me love, and most of the men called me mate. I hadn't been here 12 hours. And already they loved me. That was by Bill Bryson, an American-British author. So let's just go through that one more time. The tea room lady called me love. All the shop ladies called me love. Most of the men called me mate. I hadn't been here 12 hours and they already loved me. So breaking this one down, the tea room lady and all the shop ladies called him love. Now we all know what love means, um, however here it isn't a verb, it's not to love, it is a noun but it's not the noun you're thinking of. So here love is sort of a nickname, so it's a name you give someone. So this name is certainly mainly used in the north of England, i.e. Not so much in the south where I'm from, not so much near London, not so much Cornwall in the south, more Midlands, Birmingham, Nottingham, and up north, Stoke, Manchester, Sheffield, and even further. So love here, it is a term of endearment, it is a nice term. They're not calling you love because they love you. It's sort of a nice name. So it's, you might hear, all right, love. So generally, when they say, all right, love, it's a good thing because they're being nice. It's like saying, have you ever heard when English people say, dear? So all right, dear. Oh, yes, dear. So it's a, a lovely, sweet term of endearment. So this is what we have here. The tea room lady called me love. You might hear that. All right, love. That's a, a very sort of 
Classic British way of saying, hello, madam. All right, love. It can be used in sort of a, a jokey way, but it also can be used in a nice way. And here it's used in a nice way. And we assume the lady and the shop ladies are more elderly. And this would make sense because this is a term the elderly love to use. For example, someone in my, my grandma's generation, they would certainly call another person love. My grandma used to say, yeah, right, love, something like that in a nice uh, northern tone. Moving on, we have, and most of the men called me mate. That's M-A-T-E, mate. Now, I would assume you must have heard of the term mate. It's quite famous with British English. It's used all the time. It's a really good word to know and even use if you want to sound more British. Now, what is a mate? A mate is a friend. A mate is the British way of saying friend. Oh, sounds good, mate. Yeah, can do, mate. Ah, didn't think of that, mate. What are you doing on Saturday, mate? Hmm, sounds harsh, mate. Oh, mate, great idea. As you can see, we use the word mate all the time. Us Brits love the word mate. It's used more with the males, it has to be said. Male on male action. They'll be dropping mate in there. So if a man's speaking with a man, even if they don't know each other, they might say mate. So you'll know you're in the UK if someone you don't know calls you love or calls you mate. And this is what this quote is sort of touching on. Now, generally speaking, we'll basically use mate as in like buddy or friend. So if someone's your friend, then you'll say mate the most. Oh yeah, I'm mates with him. He's my mate. And it's used a lot in spoken English, as I uh, explained earlier with those examples. But that one's really common. So he says in the quote, I hadn't been here 12 hours and already they loved me. And this is just, he's sort of been, he's sort of been quite funny here. And it's a bit of a joke. He doesn't mean they, they literally love him. But the fact that he's been called these terms of endearment, it's quite nice to him. And he's sort of showing the friendly nature um, that a lot of Brits do have, which is nice. Now, we're going on to the second quote. Um, oh, I would, I would have to add in there that I do agree with this first quote. I think it's a very true quote, but it's sort of a, a bit of a bit of, he's having a bit of fun with that one. Okay, so the second quote. The British nation is unique in this respect. They are the only people who like to be told how bad things are, who like to be told the worst. Winston Churchill, British statesman. So, I'm sure you've heard of Winston Churchill, the Prime Minister during the Second World War, a great man. So, we'll go over this again. The British nation is unique in this respect. They are the only people who like to be told how bad things are, who like to be told the worst. So, this sort of attests, this sort of explains, this sort of highlights British values, how 
the common British man is, how British people are, their very nature. So he's saying that the Brits, we like to be told how bad things are. We prefer getting that bad news and how things could be better than it being too positive and too happy. Now, I think the best way to explain this is if you look at the average American and in the US, I'd say the average US citizen and American is a lot more happy and positive. They're lot, they'll smile at you more. They're more likely to be quite happy and chirpy, uh, which means sort of like positive. It comes from chirp like a bird um, when speaking. And they're a lot more optimistic. Whereas the UK and British and English people at their core are a lot more pessimistic. And I would have to agree with Winston Churchill here. I think naturally Brits have quite a pessimistic outlook on life and on events. I think if something happens, Brits will always first see the bad in that event rather than the positive in that event. So this is definitely true. The reason for this, I'm not sure. I think I was reading that we've sort of had that attitude since sort of World War One, World War Two, sort of, oh, this has happened, this has happened. But I couldn't exactly put my finger on it or why we're like that. But I would agree we are quite pessimistic. So the British can be quite pessimistic. And the British, they love an underdog story. So an underdog, much like Rocky Balboa, if you've ever seen those films, is someone who's not supposed to win. And then fights really well, plays really well, and does win. So I think the British love cheering on the little guy. We like an underdog story. We don't like to cheer on the one who's going to win. We like to see something unexpected. So, quote number three, I think it has something to do with being British. We don't take ourselves as seriously as other countries do. That's Joanne Collins, she's an actress. Just hear that one again. I think it has something to do with being British. We don't take ourselves as seriously as other countries do. Now, this one, I also agree with and this one is again sort of highlighting British attitude to themselves to, to their lives and society that the British the English we love to sort of joke about the situation so we like being pessimistic so say it's raining again we'll be joking and saying oh, lovely weather again now that's sarcasm because the weather isn't actually lovely, the weather's awful, but we like to joke about it. So even though things seem bad, things seem sort of dull, we can always joke and laugh and find the funny, funny situation out of a bad situation. So even though we're not optimistic, we can sort of laugh and joke about a situation and not take ourselves too seriously. So that's what that means, to not take yourself too seriously. You can laugh at yourself and have a joke. And this is also re uh, reflected in sort of British 
comedy. So a lot of English comedy, if you notice, is sarcastic. It's self-deprecating, which means self. So you're laughing at yourself. So making a joke out of yourself. So I might have been another great example because it rains here a lot. I get into work. I didn't bring an umbrella and I've been rained on. It rains so hard and I'm drenched. I'm wet through. Look like a drowned rat. Look like a drowned rat. Now, instead of being upset about it, I would probably joke about it and say, look which genius forgot his umbrella. Obviously, I'm not a genius. I was a fool in that situation. But I'm sort of being sarcastic. I'm joking about myself, not taking it too seriously. Oh, well, life goes on. But let's have a joke about it. Let's get a few laughs out of it. And I think that's quintessentially British, extremely British, to laugh out of a bad situation and always be able to have a joke. And that's definitely us. So I agree with Joanne Collins there. Oh, now this is a big one. The British definitely like their tea. It's the solution to everything, all problems and concerns. If there's ever a major crisis, a cup of tea will help. C.R. Stewart, American writer, said that one. Now, you've probably heard how much we like tea. And British tea is known the world over. But let's just read that one again. The British definitely like their tea. It's their solution to everything. All problems and concerns. If there's ever a major crisis, a cup of tea will help. Now, as Brits, we love tea. Afternoon tea. But did you know we always have tea and milk? Now, I've told foreign friends this before, and they've been shocked. Shock all. Shock horror. They couldn't believe it. Tea with milk? Are you out of your mind? Mmm. It's always tea with milk. I don't think I've ever been served tea without milk, unless it's fruity tea. Now, this is a key distinction. This is a key difference for, for you guys. If you have fruity tea, which isn't as popular in the UK, so herbal teas like you can get in China, lovely herbal teas, and these medicine teas, we're not really talking about these teas. So a raspberry tea, for example, it's not that popular in the UK. And if it is, that isn't with milk. When we're talking English tea, we're talking either English breakfast tea, we're talking black tea. The best tea is Yorkshire tea, without a, sh without a, a drop of doubt in my mind. Yorkshire tea, the best tea. Strong, that's a strong tea, that's a punchy tea. That tea's got flavour. That tea's bold. Lovely. It's a passionate topic, as you can tell. So if we're talking tea in the UK, you go tea, hot water. Now, old school is to have a teapot. My nan has a teapot, and it looks, it always looks, it's lovely. It's sort of, we don't really use a teapot at home, but it's a nice old school British thing to have a teapot. 
you put the tea in the teapot and then you pour straight out because the tea's in the teapot. Whereas modern day, you put the tea in the mug and then the hot water on, right? Teapot, all the tea bags are already in there and then you just pour it. Looks lovely. Um, so you put the tea, <laughs> you got your tea bag in. Okay, no teapot. So you got your tea bag in, hot water, and then a bit of milk. So you want to have a splash of milk or a bit more milk. A splash of milk, we say in the UK, is just a little bit of milk. Oh, splash of milk? Yes, please. Just a, just a little bit, just a drop. A builder's tea is a very strong tea, not much milk. Builder's tea, like a builder, someone who constructs houses. That's a builder's tea. That's a famous phrase. I don't know why. Builders like strong tea. Builder's tea. So you got your tea, you got the you got the milk, and then you sort of pull the tea bag up, tap it on the side, get the last bit of the tea out, put that on a on a tissue, and then you can even have sugar or sweetener. You don't have to, but usually one sugar, maybe two. Um, if if you're my mother, about five, but I'd say careful on that. Um, tea, milk, sugar. You can have a sweetener. Artificial, but also healthier. Now, you've got your tea. It's usually on the table, coffee table. Should be called a tea table, right? But no, it's on the coffee table in the middle of the living room. You sat there with your nan or you sat there with your friends. And then they bring the biscuits out. Happy days. Once the biscuits come out, it's party time. So... You can't have tea without biscuits. Even if you don't take one, it's like tea and biscuits. That's the, the British phenomenon. Depends what biscuits. We'll, ha we'll have a whole episode on biscuits. We'll have a whole episode on biscuits, including the jammy dodger. Have you heard of the jammy dodger? That's the jammy dodger? Maybe, maybe not. Sorry, another, another rambling's there. Um, where were we? The British definitely like their tea. It's their solution to everything, all problems and concern. If there's ever a major crisis, a cup of tea will help. <clears throat> well, this, this just goes back to the fact that keep calm and carry on mentality, that sort of get on with it mentality, uh, that blitz spirit, just get on with it. And even in when there's carnage and chaos going on, we still carry on. We still have that afternoon tea. That's what this country was built upon, afternoon tea. And we certainly do love an afternoon tea. I remember when I used to go to my nan's, I know there'll be another episode on um, on biscuits. I remember going to my nan's and um, before, and bless her, she uh, dropped us a text. So she was like, is there any um, any food you'd like me to get in? So when, when I'm at my nan's, usually have a cup of tea, maybe a slice of cake, um, or a biscuit. So I said, yeah, go on then, Nan. Um, just get us some jam donuts. We just get us some jam donuts, that would be great. Um, so my Nan, um, she, I think she goes, she likes to make a trip of it, does my Nan. So she'll stop off at M&S, go in the Aldi, also Sainsbury's, another British supermarket. I think she gets the donuts in Sainsbury's. So I said, just get us some jam donuts, Nan, all right. Um, so she says, yeah, fine, gets the jam donuts, da, 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 da. so I come over a couple of days later, um, she puts the donuts on the table, I think, great, 
donut and tea. Can't beat it, can you? Um, I bite into the donut, and there's no jam in there. I said, I said, Nan, are you sure these are jam donuts? And she said, yeah, 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 I'm pr- pretty sure. She reads the packet. They're only plain donuts. So we had a bit of a bit of a laugh. And I said, make sure you have your glasses on you next time, Nan. And she said, don't be so cheeky. But we had a bit of a laugh about that. So it's sort of a, it's a, it's a nice communal moment. Cup of tea, bit of gossip, current affairs. What's happening? How have you been? Complain about the weather. We love speaking about the weather. And just get on with it. And life carries on. So I do agree with this quote as well. As you can see, I do agree with a lot of these quotes. Now, this next quote, topical, as we've been speaking about the weather. I don't desire to change anything in England except the weather, Oscar Wilde. Now, the weather gets a bad reputation on these shores in the UK. The weather does indeed get a bad reputation. However, as it should do, because the weather is generally pretty poor here, it's quite grey, it does rain a lot. Um, I would say, so we've got January and Feb's really cold, might get snow on a couple of days. March it rains, April it rains, May a little bit. June, July are usually okay. August, it rains a little bit as well. September rains, October rains, November rains. So you've got September, October, November, March, April. Pretty much six months of the year are quite heavy in rainfall. And that's not to say in the summer it doesn't rain. Of course it rains. Even if it's really hot, you'll get rain straight after. So it does rain a lot in the UK. I actually quite like the rain. He... I've put it out there, and he, he has he has just said that he has just dropped that bombshell. I quite like the I quite like the rain. It depends on on the type of rain. You can get that very thin and fine rain. The raindrops aren't too big; they're sort of very small and thin. But that's dangerous rain. That can really soak you without you realizing. You can get light drizzle, as we call it, drizzle of rain. Just a little bit of rain, um, a tiny drizzle of rain. It's a British term. Oh, it's a drizzle of rain, hmm? and then it can hammer it down, hammer it down, bucket it down. It's bucketing it down, and that means it's raining incredibly hard. Even the umbrella can't save you. You've got the umbrella out. That's what it sounds like on on the top of the umbrella. That sort of rain we can do without, and I'll stay inside. When it's just spitting or a light drizzle of rain, for me that's quite pleasant. I quite like going out for maybe a walk, put a hood on, put some headphones in, listen to some music, maybe something atmospheric, maybe something chill. I don't know, maybe some 1975 or something comes to mind for chill weather, um, chill mood, um, sweater weather, great song, something like that, you know where I'm coming from, I'm sure you do, um, put something like that on, just go for a walk, and it's quite relaxing, so I quite like 
um, the rain. But in terms of coldness, it is quite bitter as well, which means it's cold. But I don't think the UK is too bad. I think it's manageable. But this is all dependent on what you're used to and where you're from. A lot of us in the UK, we don't cope that well when it's too hot. So when it's boiling hot, scorching hot, 35 plus degrees, 35 to 40 degrees, we don't we don't survive very well. We're not built for it. And actually, the infrastructure in the UK is not built for hot weather. We don't have AC. We don't have air conditioning in every building. Yes, we do have AC, but it's not like, I don't know, Phoenix in the States where it's set up for the hot weather. They all have AC. It's not like that. So when it's really hot, it's too hot inside. Um, I remember... I was at the courtroom um, with one of our clients. Can't give any more details than that, but it was like the hottest day of the year. The courtroom's an old building. It was like three o'clock. There was one, like, you know, big fans in the corner just pushing the hot air around in circulation in the room. And it was too hot. I was sweating, had a suit on, of course. And it just wasn't very pleasant. And that's because when it is too hot, we're not built for the climate. We can't handle it. We can't hack it. We just don't get on very well with it. English people and 40 degrees, 35 degrees weather don't go together. And that's the bottom line. So maybe I would agree with Oscar that he'd change the weather, but I'm going to be controversial and say no. The rain is part of the charm of the UK. So sorry, Oscar. Don't agree with you on that one, mate. Now, the next quote fits perfectly with the previous podcast I recorded. That's episode number four. If you haven't listened to that, check that one out now. I recommend that. That's the one before this one. So listen to that one to understand this quote even better. And here we go. An Englishman, even if he is alone, forms an orderly queue of one. George Mikes on How to Be an Alien, a Handbook for Beginners and Advanced Pupils. Not sure what that book's about, but it's a great quote. An Englishman, even if he is alone, forms an orderly queue of one. And this was what we were saying before. So you just have it in your DNA to queue for everything. And even if there isn't a queue, like a, because some places put out cones and cordon off where you can queue, English people have an uncanny habit, an amazing habit of queuing in the right place or forming a queue, and then it just goes from there. The queue polices itself. The queue orders the rest of the queue, and everybody understands the rules. It's a, it's the lingua franca, the queue. It's the lingua franca of the UK. You don't even have to understand English. Once you know the mentality, you know exactly where to queue. You know exactly what's happening. Perfect. I do agree with that. And now the last quote, which is quite a nice one. In England, I am always madam. I arrived too late to ever be a miss. In New York, I have only been madamed once by the doorman at the Carlisle Hotel. Anna Quindlen said, said this one, Imagined London uh, is the book. And this is um, in reference to that 
in the UK, we are quite polite, as the previous podcast said, and we call people sir. We call people madam. It's quite a British thing. Oh, yes, sir. For example, I always love the example um, that you're in a restaurant, maybe a fancy restaurant, a posh restaurant, which means sort of upper class, expensive, maybe a steakhouse, and you order a glass of wine, and then the waiter, always he will always say something like, Ah, excellent choice, sir. Like, excellent choice. Ah, super, super choice, sir. I mean, what does it mean? It doesn't really mean anything, because he's selling you the drink. Whatever you order, he's going to say, excellent choice, sir. But that's just Britishness in a nutshell to me. And when you don't know someone, it is polite to call them sir or madam. She says, in England, I'm always a madam. I arrived too late to be a miss. What this is saying is, if you're younger, you'll be called miss. So... 20 to 30s, you'll be called Miss because that's younger. Once you're older, like an older lady, an older lady, you know what I mean? Sort of your grandma, that's more a madam. Oh, madam. And then a sir is quite universal. I remember when I was first called sir in places, sort of like when I was like 18, 90, 20. It was quite a weird but a nice feeling. Someone calls you sir, it's like, mm, feels good. Very respectable. Uh, title and also very English uh, which I love so thanks for listening I hope this episode was useful I hope there was new phrases you learned I hope there was also um, new cultural insights and new cultural information about the UK and I hope you could understand my strange British accent as always please do get in touch you can contact me at currently because there'll be more ways to contact and get involved in the future but for now english with fraser at gmail.com please rate five stars thumbs up share this podcast send it to a friend and all the best thank you so much take care bye bye